Hello and welcome to Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss here with Ryan Ebling. In this episode, with promising but ultimately failed attempts at Scottish independence on our minds, we're watching 1995's Braveheart, directed by and starring Mel Gibson. Like many people who grew up in the 90s, I've always had a soft spot for this movie, and unlike many people who grew up in the 90s, Ryan has somehow avoided avoided seeing it entirely. Yeah, though it certainly was difficult to go through life without hearing a lot about Braveheart, mainly through its quoted lines and the fact that it won five Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director, which, uh, if anyone's counting, puts Mel Gibson ahead of Robert Altman, Alfred Hitchcock, Stanley Kubrick, uh, P.T. Anderson, I could go on. Um, but who else is counting? Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to winning competitive uh, directing Oscars. Um, the movie raked in over $210 million worldwide, according to Box Office Mojo, and it was well-received critically, scoring a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. And many critics praised Mel Gibson's charm as an actor as well as his abilities as a director. We'll discuss whether Braveheart still holds up after nearly 20 years. Dust off your questionable Scottish accents, brush on some blue war paint, and get ready to lift your kilt. We're going to battle. All right, Nate, put, put the sword down. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom! Well, I'm inspired. You inspired, right? <laughs> I can't quite say that. I, I was surprised, though, when I saw the movie that there there was more to the movie than that speech. That was all. That was all you knew, knew about it. it. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was just, uh, you know, a long lead up to that speech, then that speech, and then just everybody kind of standing around being inspired by it. But yeah, well, the you know, it would have been a, a best picture winner either way. I'm yeah, sure. you're right. I mean, because all you needed was that speech. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, we are talking about Braveheart, 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, historical epic Mm -hmm. of Scottish independence. We're doing that because of the Scottish vote for independence, which has passed. It's long passed. At the time we announced the episode, it had not yet happened. Um, I don't have much to say about that. I don't either. I I went to work with blue face paint just because on that day, but... And no weird looks whatsoever. Oh, no. Yeah, everybody was looking at me weird. Right. And you just called them ignorant. I did, yeah. Because they didn't know... Yeah, what you were talking no, about. No, I really, I really played it off. Um, I was embarrassed, but I acted like I wasn't. Yeah. Anyways, um, why don't we do what we usually do? We did rewatch this movie, and we'll discuss it. Yeah. So, um, well, I am curious though before I go into my experience watching it, which uh-huh. in in a sense isn't all that exciting. What's really exciting is this idea that you somehow have gone uh, all of this time from '95 up until now, almost 20 years, having never seen Braveheart. Yeah, uh, I, 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 
I, I want to say that it wasn't like stubbornness because it, it really wasn't like for a long time I actually did want to see it but I was 11 when it came out my parents were pretty strict about not watching R-rated movies and so it just wasn't when everybody was watching it I didn't see it I couldn't see it I wasn't allowed to see it so um at that point nobody was really like pushing to see it again you know by the time you were 17 right yeah so when I would have seen it, when I would have been like most excited about it, nobody else was watching it, and it's like three hours long, so I wasn't like looking to spend that sure. time. And um, if I and if I pull from the archives of our own episodes, what, am I remembering remembering correctly? You were seventeen when you saw Gladiator, yeah, and you didn't like that movie at all. So right. there probably so wasn't a whole I lot probably of. Wouldn't have really and, and I know there was a lot of comparisons between the two at the time that had yeah. come out. Yeah, 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 and then there's so much more I wanted to see. And I kind of knew myself that this, this movie doesn't always appeal to me. So, um, the, the, honestly, the thing is that I was a rule follower and my parents told me not to watch R rated <laughs> movies. So I didn't. What about in like the past few years, even, I mean, like I said, there's the, the three hour, honestly, it could be anything and it's three hours. I'm, I'm, it's hard. Not really yeah. going to want to watch it. Um, I really had to like force myself. I think it was actually for a class that I ended up watching gone with the wind. Yeah. And I don't know, it just felt daunting and not rewarding. Like I didn't think I would really care for it. Right. Now, what is the general consensus of those around you, do you think, um, of about Braveheart as far as like if this was widely known about you? Like oh, you, yeah. You people, would get a lot of people saying, I can't believe that yeah, that's such yeah. a great movie. Or would it be like, yeah, you're not missing anything? No, it was mainly like, the, I can't believe you haven't seen it. But most of those people hadn't seen it in a while. Yeah. Yeah. People were just shocked I hadn't seen it just because they assumed everybody had. It has kind of, I think, reached that status over the years that it's just something most people have seen. Yeah. I would at say. At some point, somebody had it on and you caught it. Not me. And I, I don't really watch movies on TV, even though Braveheart was on TV a lot. Like, mm -hmm. I'm... I, I really don't watch movies on TV. I, I can't get into them. So I don't know. I just, just a lot of things conspired against me seeing this movie. I was 12 when the movie came out in 95. So I didn't see it right when it came out, mm -hmm. uh, like in the theater or anything like that. Um, although I, I remember my parents rented the movie. Well, and that's another thing. My parents weren't big movie watchers. Oh, really? Okay. So like... I think that's how I saw a lot yeah, of these movies when that's I was what younger. I, that's what I'm picking up on is that your parents, you either saw it with your parents or your parents rented yeah. them and you were in and out of the room or whatever. Like, Yeah, my parents were big film goers. Um, and even still, especially my mom, just, you know, she'll try to catch every Academy yeah. Award nominee and all that kind of stuff. So, huh. um, yeah, so they they rented that movie and it was in the, the dual VHS yeah, yeah. Uh, case, you know, <laughs> back in the day, how they had to do that. Yep. And even watching it to this day, I can still tell you what scene it cuts. It cuts really? So that you have to you put the second take. Yeah. I, uh, so they rented it and I don't know why, uh, but my parents, they watched it alone first. Sure. And then they didn't have a, I asked if I could watch it and, and they didn't have a problem with me watching it, but I wasn't 12. I was probably like 14, 13 or 14. Yeah. yeah. So even um, with boobies and horse impalings. Yeah. I think, <laughs> uh, at least not, they're not in the same scene. You're right. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been like Caligula style. <laughs> but, but you know, um, I don't know. My parents didn't seem to think it was um, going to be all that scarring for me to watch it. So I watched it and I don't know. I just, I really loved it. Boobies and all. I loved it. <laughs> really? As a 14 year old kid, you liked the boobies. Interesting. Um, and I don't know, maybe it was just exactly what, what I 
at that age, what you want to see is just mm-hmm. someone who's larger than life, a really sure. good charismatic leader. And then it's got all of the fighting and the yeah. battle stuff. And I was always a big war guy. Yeah. Like I love not as a, not, I don't love war, yeah, you do. but I, yeah, but I like love studying civil war. Um, yeah. and so I found that part fascinating. Well, and this um, kind of came at the time, like you were a big Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves fan. Sure. You, yeah, I was. Did you see the movie Gettysburg? Like yep. this was sort of like movie. Yeah. that time for the two VHS <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah. big war movie. Exactly. And JFK, too, but I didn't see that one. But I just remember always seeing the big box. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe that is part of it. Like, all those other movies, Robin Hood, Gettysburg. Um, I even watched Lawrence Arabia around that time. Really? I remember. Yeah. I didn't see that until last summer. Yeah, I just... that. I, that really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It's three hours, man. Wow. I can't... If a movie... Aside from Magnolia, which I've seen probably like 15 times... If a movie is three hours, I'm like, uh... Well, not to sidetrack this at all, but isn't it crazy that we'll sit through and we'll binge watch hours and hours and hours of TV, but a three-hour movie, nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too much. Yep. There is something more arduous about it. I can't explain it, but you can binge watch a whole season of a show. Or like a football game or something. Yeah. Anyways, um, I do think because of all those other movies, I was kind of forming what I tend to naturally like in movies i mean i and maybe it is because of a little bit of nostalgia of just remembering kind of through this time of where i was really growing to like movies in general these were the movies i was watching yeah so braveheart was just one of them and in fact i think at the time um it was definitely what i considered to be my favorite of those my parents eventually did buy that vhs and i watched it over and over and (laughs) over again and i even like in my days of experimenting with my own filmmaking Mm -hmm. i um would take songs and i would take clips from braveheart and i would put them into with these songs and <laughs> along with clips from rage of the lost ark and all these other action wow. scenes i would pull out the action scenes and make my own little like m- music wow. montages with them huh. um and braveheart was certainly in there because i just loved those battles i didn't know that about you yeah well i mean i watched it a ton and then i think the last time i had watched it though was probably when i was in college so I- now it had been a long, it had been a very long time since I'd seen it. What and were the so, circumstances of watching it in college? Was there some dork like me who hadn't seen it, or everybody was just like, "I just want to watch Braveheart." <laughs> uh, I actually think I watched it a couple times in college. One of which is my roommate had like just bought it. This is oh. when DVDs were first oh, yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. starting to come out. So you were building your DVD collection, and Braveheart was a movie that I added to my collection, and my roommate added to his collection, oh. and so you had to watch both. We, of course, yeah. You can't. You have to watch both copies. Mm-hmm. They could be different. You got to break them in. Yeah, and then I think it was just a movie that a lot of my friends tended to like. And we didn't talk about film as in like, is this a masterpiece of filmmaking? Mm-hmm. It was just like, you know, Braveheart. That's a fun movie you can throw on and watch. Let's just have it on. You yeah. Know? Let's see what some of our listeners had to say about it. I was kind of surprised. I thought because of how much people had. Um, just like flipped out over this movie and been so appalled that I hadn't seen it. I thought yeah. we would we would get a lot more um passionate comments, but people were pretty measured. Yeah. Sort I, of I thought the same thing. It was a little strange actually. Well, um, we had a couple pretty thoughtful uh comments, one from Jason, one from Alex, and they kind of fed off each other where um Jason was saying basically that at the time Braveheart um was different and it set the tone he said i think you'll have a hard time looking at braveheart without the rose-colored glasses of epic film we've experienced since then um the combination of grand love story intermixed with heavy violence is something we expect out of a current war movie from any, really any period of history 
But at that time, the epic war films that had come before had, for the most part, been a bit glossy. And I think he's probably right that this mm -hmm. movie set the tone um, for a lot of stuff that came after. So maybe other listeners, but Jason and then Alex, uh, who said much the same thing, uh, he kind of went into the historical inaccuracies and some other things about the movie. Um, but that people want, were kind of saying, like, it, it might not be the same experience knowing what's come after and honestly maybe being tired of what's come mm -hmm. after that like, it's hard to remember what it was like i think there was a little bit of a sense that i was getting that maybe people hadn't seen it in for a very long time and weren't quite sure of what it would look like now if yeah. you were to rewatch it because it had been so long there's been a lot that's come after well and then lord of the rings kind of changed took, sure took, yeah took something from braveheart and then changed it again and that set the tone sure so it could be odd to watch lord of the rings again or somebody later who hadn't seen it at the time watching it yeah would have a hard time understanding and then uh, another friend of ours eric just said pretty basically popcorn movie i've seen it once i don't need to see it again and then he said and this is something i do want to talk about the depiction of the gay prince is particularly tone deaf which i was kind of jarred by when i saw the movie but um we can talk about that more later yeah you know, in the, in, and in the years, you, you frankly have seen even just a lot of offensive things that Mel Gibson has said. And yep. so <laughs> it's hard to necessarily, if you hadn't seen Braveheart in a couple of years, just to flat out say, love this movie without being reflective about it, I guess. Yeah. And I didn't want it to, but it did sort of color the viewing for me. Yeah. Which, do we want to get into that now? Do we want to talk about, or did you have more? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you, who wants to go first? I don't know. It's up to you. This is, like I said, this is your movie. If you want to, if you want to say what you have to say or you want to hear me well okay um i know you well enough to know that i was going into this already thinking you were going to hate this movie yeah so it would be a pleasant surprise <laughs> if you actually liked this movie what? just going off of our our past episodes sure. on grave on gladiator sorry uh, i said graveheart i was gonna graveheart. say graveheart <laughs> but um you know, and also just going off of knowing from past conversations that you just have a, a particular dislike for period Aversion. pieces, costume yep. dramas, and this is all of those things. I do. And it's also sort of the, um, it, it would be like the culprit if you had to point to <laughs> one for all of these movies that you hate that you've had to sit through for the last few years. It, it all yeah. points back to this. Not all of it. Well, it but, doesn't you know, point. Yeah. Not, not all of it, but it certainly, this points back to the resurgence in that, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. This one did set the tone for a lot of what came after right um all right well then i i will tell you uh i i am a I, I like i like british things i'm not like a pure anglophile but like that intrigued me more than like rome does for some dumb reason um and i will tell you that i was surprised that i liked this movie less than i thought i would liked it less than you thought <laughs> yeah. you would i thought what i would even i thought i would at least like it partly and i didn't really yeah at all like it was another one that just bored me. Really? Yeah. More, this bored you more than Gladiator. I didn't say that, but it didn't bore me less. <laughs> That's surprising to me. Yeah. I don't even know how to really dig into that. I know, and I'm I, sorry that that's terrible. I've got some things to say beyond that, because it's garbage of me to be like, it was boring. Now tell me why you liked it, and I'll just say it's boring. <laughs> because I think it's, I think it's boring for, for reasons. Like I, I, I genuinely think... That the movie could have been made better. Wow, I you know I this is one of those where we might just be talking past each other, like <laughs> we, we just don't be. see eye to eye. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll, 
I still really like this movie. I don't. It's paled a little bit since um, you know my love of it mm-hmm. back in the day. This is over ten years ago since I've seen it, mm-hmm. and in those days, it would have been probably considered my favorite movie. Yeah, at that time, I think I a lot of I've heard a lot of people say that, that it was their favorite movie. Yeah, and I certainly wouldn't call it one of even probably one of my favorites anymore. Yeah, um, and I don't know that I would. If if I were watching it the first time now, I still think I would like it. I, I because that's just kind of the kind of movie I like. I don't know that I would call it even if I had to watch it the first time, like you know something that would be really blow me away. Yeah. At this point, if that yeah. makes sense. I don't yeah. know if it makes sense or not. Um, but I was really struck this time around by how engrossing it was. Like just as a period piece, as a romance, that it moves. A lot better than even a lot of the epics I've seen. <laughs> you think it moves? I think it moves. Oh, I think it's. Gosh. I think it's very. I to think, me, I think you could start that movie forty-five minutes in and not lose a thing. One thing I was going to say is, to me, that movie reminded me a lot of the kind of epic, maybe television that you would see today. Like it's very episodic, is what I was getting at. Like it moves in the sense that you can break that movie up into episodes, which is probably why it plays well on TV. That you could break that movie up an episode, but every episode to me is just as engrossing as the other one, mm. just as interesting as the other one. That you've got that whole first act, which is basically the, the childhood scene. It's interesting in its own right. Then you have the act where he comes back, and that's the whole love romance thing. You know, it's it's Hollywood romance. It's a very Hollywood stylized romance thing. And then you've got it moves over <laughs> <It's> into there. <laughs> Then it moves into the more battle scenes, yeah, and then it gets later on into the whole episodes of political. the more political things, and then you've got the uh, the whole ending, which is it's a it's twenty minute version of the Passion minutes. of the Christ. But I mean, yeah. yeah, it's its own. It's a very episodic movie. It is, and I think that that's why it works. I will admit, when I had to watch Gladiator for our podcast, I had to do it a lot more in chunks because either I had to get going somewhere, or I I, I would just kind of like, all right, that's a good place to stop. I'll pick it up later. Yeah. And in this movie, I found myself needing to stop and watch it in two chunks, but more because it was just getting so late. But mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm For some reason, it was keeping me very alert and awake mm. the whole time. So I just don't even understand being so bored by this it. This is another I, one that I had to stand to stay awake for. I watched it in the afternoon, too. I didn't even watch it like at night. Like I, I, I knew that it would be tough for me to stay awake for. So I watched it as soon as like in the afternoon. You're right. It moves in that things happen in the movie, but the editing, the filmmaking is just so belabored and so um, self-indulgent and like the meaningful glances for days of just like, there's like three different times that they go back and forth like four or five times, just like gazing and walking and then like one of them walks behind something and then the other one walks the other side of the thing and they look at each other. And it's just and then the same thing with the battles. It's like 80% of the battles is people running at each other. It felt like it felt like to me that it was yeah. just like here they come. Here we come. No, but here they come. Here we come. Here they come. Here we come. And I'm like I have no idea where they are. How far apart were they standing even though they showed us like I'm like they would have gotten there by now. It just felt like it wow. was so Wow, we like, are so opposite on this. I felt like those battle scenes were 
very interesting in the sense that I've seen a lot of battle movies where you don't really know what's going on. It's just chaos. It's just people shooting at each other. It's just people trying to hide. Well, and yeah. in this one, I get I get the sense that you really do understand the strategy of what's going on because the idea is that William Wallace is because only winning because he's thing. strategizing. But you see it. I mean, you don't actually know what his plan is, especially at the Battle of Sterling. You don't know it until it happens. With you the, know he's got something up his... There's that, but he's also got the cavalry coming around. He tells him to flank him, and you don't really understand. But he says, "Let them see you leave." Yeah, and, and then they say they'll think we're retreating, and he's like Mel Gibson, charming wink. And then we're like, "Oh, that's what we want." Yeah, but like, you see it. I mean, that's I the thing is like I I feel like I've seen a lot of movies where you don't. It's so first person that you don't get a sense of any sort of understanding of what's going on in the yeah. battle. And in this, I feel like it really does bring you back. And those shots are amazing. Like, the, especially the shots where you actually see the two sides collide. Um, I mean, yeah. play that in slow motion. Like, I mean, it is insane how how real those scenes are. And, yeah. and the horses scenes where they're impaling horses, which, you know... Um, I mean that scene in itself. I mean it looks great. Yeah, I mean it, not it really that did. seeing horses. No, I get you. It looks, looks very great, real. Um, I mean to me, these are some of the best battle scenes I've seen in a movie. And for mm. you to say that it's just people running back and forth to each other, I I don't even. I kept see thinking. That. I kept thinking of the scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail where John Cleese is running at the castle, and it's just like <laughs> yeah. forever. I'm like it, it, that. That's what it felt like to me. I guess you're right. We just see different things. I really don't. I'm not interested in the in the battle strategy. Like, if for some reason you told me we had to watch uh, Gettysburg, I'd be like, oh, gosh, really? Because that movie's all war yeah, strategy. I love that movie though, but um, that movie doesn't have much more for anyone who doesn't love that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas I think Braveheart at least has something for everyone if you're willing to look for it. I mean, it's not not that everyone's going to love the movie, but it's certainly trying to appeal to a broader base than say something like Gettysburg does. Yes. Well, yeah. But it's not just Gettysburg. I mean, Gettysburg no, is a movie for Civil War buffs. Right. No, <laughs> I know? know. I'm so, yeah, but that's what I'm saying is that I figured you would like that movie and it's got it's like full of that. It's like totally like perfectly right. recreating Pickett's Charge and like all that stuff. Yeah. And awesome. And Chamberlain's uh, swinging door. Yes. Yeah. Terrific. <laughs> it is, I'm geeking out right now. My dad really liked that yeah. too. Um and whatever that's fine if you do i i just don't i don't know it 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 totally didn't work for me and i thought the battles once they were in it like once the sides actually finally after a couple hours ended up running into each other i i thought like even that it was i i don't want to sound too nitpicky it, it there were times where the violence was like super real and they were like going for like that bloody thing. And then so many other times where it was like, looked like floppy fake swords, just like doing that sort of like generic swipe across the belly, like, Ooh, I'm dead thing. And it just felt like so muddled. My feeling on that was you're getting the best of both worlds in the sense of how film does battle scenes, because there's something to be said for having that viewpoint of being in it and trying to convey through film the sense of chaos and the sense of like yeah. um, urgency and that basically you get scenes that pull back and show you what's happening in the battle and then you get the scenes where they actually collide and it's nothing but chaos which is actually important because it's a reminder that this is because i think what also happens in those movies that lean a little bit more on the strategy yeah. is they almost miss out on the fact that war is terrible yeah yeah <laughs> and saving and private ryan was one that was kind of like it was it was a perfect execution of how terrible a battle can be and how just completely 
that it's know. that it's not, not some that it's not necessarily to glorify and it's not just moving chess pieces right exactly and i feel See, like i like saving private ryan i do too I, i'm sure I'm, I'm not saying you wouldn't but that's the kind of movie i like like that if if, if there's a war movie i like it's saving private ryan or the thin red line like which is pretty much and the i love that one too yeah Braveheart. i mean i think this is some of the best battle on film that you will see is in Braveheart personally. Okay. Okay. But that's not the whole movie. I mean, that's no, actually the battle scenes not. are like the, the big battle scenes are two. There's two, there's Sterling yeah. and there's Falkirk. They are big. Those and, and one's a victory and one's a defeat. You right. Know? It's not, it's not um, front to back battle, which didn't, didn't make it better in my mind. Like, honestly, it felt like such a slow start. That like, okay, yeah, we get it. He's got something to fight for. I, I don't know. It just felt so unnecessary. It felt, and maybe it's just because this movie did it for the first time that like, I don't know if it did it for the first time. I don't think it, I'd be surprised if it was the first movie to make like childhood trauma a reason for fighting a battle and, you know, like fight with your brain, not with your hatred or whatever. It was like literally half an hour or more. Of yeah, him as a little kid, and it, I got it. I got it right away, like the first time that there were all the the Scottish people hanging in that barn. I was like, okay, yeah, he's traumatized. He's got a reason to fight, and then it just kept going and giving him more reasons, and the thistle and the girl, and like all these things, and his uncle, and like, I, I don't know. It just, I was like, just get on with it. I don't know. I think there's so much character development that happens in that section. No, I think in fact know, it's to its credit too much. In fact, it's to its credit. I thought he they really let the character like the character of William Wallace breathe. If there was anything I was going to fault Gladiator for, it was that they really didn't give Russell Crowe. I mean, they give him like one scene to give him his entire motive of his family and his, um, you know, his wife and his kids being butchered. Well, and then um, honestly, it feels then that. Braveheart did all that and then still hinged his motivation on one scene. No, not at all. You talking about when his wife yeah, dies? Because he wasn't going to fight. He wasn't going to do anything. No, but see, look, if it was just that, that would have just been the revenge that he got and it would have been over. But in the beginning, in the child scenes, you yeah. get the whole thing of he's being raised by a father. This is in his this is in his heritage. Yeah. That this is something that he's grown up with as a boy, this oppression from this empire. And that that the dad was part of this, basically the British are who killed his father, they then killed his wife, and revenge wasn't enough. It, it, it wasn't enough just to kill the person who killed his wife. He then figured, I got nothing else to live for at this mm -hmm. point other than to fight for my country. That mm -hmm. doesn't exist yet, but the country, the freedom. Right. Which, look, I mean, that in itself has its problems because his whole, I will admit that his whole motive doesn't really make sense in the medieval mindset <laughs> it's a very american give me well, liberty or give me death yeah. kind of thing but i'm okay with that i mean if you're going to start bringing any any sort of historical accuracy then right. the movie falls apart completely yeah and well, actually we should talk about whether that's important or not because we actually had a poll yeah yeah that we did and um you know i knew when we rewatched this um that Braveheart is a movie that is often cited as being one of the most historically inaccurate movies yeah. <laughs> ever made. And I guess before watching it, I kind of wanted to get a read from our listeners of whether that's important or not. Yeah. 
uh, whether that even makes any difference whatsoever. So I put out the question on our website, canwestillbefriends.net, how important is historical accuracy in movies based on actual events? And I gave the options of very important, why make the movie if it can't stick to the truth? Somewhat important, the filmmaker should at least try to stay faithful to the historicity. It depends. This should be judged completely on a case-by-case basis. And it's a movie, not a documentary. Who cares? Did you vote in this? I did. I voted. I said that it's somewhat important that the filmmaker has should at least try to stick to it. Um, I mean, I can see combining people for the sake of not having to introduce four different characters, like put it in one agency or whatever. Like, um, But we can keep going on with the poll. We can talk about <laughs> okay. what I thought about Braveheart. Well, on our poll, it looks like, uh, as far as our listeners are concerned, they do care a little bit yeah. about historicity because the lowest feedback we got was for um, it's a movie, not a documentary, who cares? So obviously we care a little bit yeah. about historicity. Uh, but then the next lowest one was the opposite end of the spectrum, which is that it's very important why make the movie if it can't stick to the truth. So uh, we don't have a whole lot of people going to the movies to, uh, you know, yeah. learn their history, I guess. And then pretty close, uh, we actually had uh, the next one was uh, with 37.7% somewhat important, which mm-hmm. is where you stand. Yep. Filmmakers should at least try to stay faithful to the historicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty close to that, but the winner... Um, with 44.26% is that it depends. It should be judged completely on a case by case basis. I'm not that surprised. That that that's, you voted? That, that's what I voted for. I know it's, it's in a way it's almost a little bit of a cop out. You know, it's, it's basically the gray area. Yeah. Vote. It's the not really taking a stand vote. Yeah. But I did choose that because I really do think um, it depends on the piece itself because I think it depends more about what the filmmaker is trying to say with the movie as opposed to, yeah. I have my own arbitrary rules, basically. Yeah. Like, if the movie's trying to be Gettysburg. If the movie's trying to be Gettysburg, then it needs to stick to the facts. If it's trying to be Inglorious Bastards. Then why bother? Right. If this if this vote was like on literary adaptations, how close does it have to stick to the book? I would have been more like, it depends. Like, the movie can get a feel. But I think for historical, it just. Maybe it's just because I was thinking about Braveheart and I don't love it anyway. And then I was just like adding to its sins was that Mel Gibson just totally was like, well, nobody's going to want to go see Mel Gibson play a savage. So I'm going to make him like a really great guy who's speaking French and Latin and like loving the ladies and doing the right thing. And yeah. Well, he, you he, know, he took a lot of liberties. Not outside even of that, not and, just yeah. with William Wallace, but yeah. Like Robert the Bruce, I guess people in Scotland were like, hang on, man, he's like a national hero. Right. They did it together. Way more than William Wallace. (laughs) Exactly. He didn't betray anybody. Right. So just to randomly choose one historical character as a villain, like, yeah, sure, it was probably Robert the Bruce. Like, no, we know it wasn't. Like, you can't just make it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, and I think like, but then again, did you have a problem with something like Amadeus where it, I mean, it really took the character well, of Mozart? That was stylistic. And no, I didn't have a problem with that. And that they pretty much fabricated this whole jealousy concept, which really hinges the whole movie. I mean, the whole movie hinges on that. Yeah. Um, that one, I think, again, <laughs> it makes it sound like my answer would be, it depends. That one, it feels like that movie was trying to almost like forgive me for a second let me explain myself almost like moulin rouge where baz Luhrmann wanted you to feel like the electric sordid atmosphere of being in the moulin rouge 
And so he didn't use actual can-can music because that would sound super boring. He used music of today to like spice it up and be like, this is how in your face it felt to these people. Sure. So for us to look at Mozart and be like, well, yeah, he's a famous composer. It's like, no, this guy was like an insane party or rock star. Like he was the talk of the town. They had to change things to because the point was to understand the myth of this man. Mm -hmm. So I guess it sounds like I'm saying case by case, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just have it in for Braveheart and voted the way I did. (laughs) (laughs) Does does the historical inaccuracies really bother you in it or not really? I mean, how many, how much did you even know? No. Yeah. That's the thing before watching it. I didn't know that much. It was more like reading, reading about it later, but then just seeing Mel Gibson in that movie, Mel Gibson thinks he is so charming. And he was, like, people loved Mel Gibson back in the day. It bugs me because it just feels so cocky. The movie felt cocky entirely. Like, just Mel Gibson being, like... So you see it as nothing more than kind of a chest-thumping, machismo... Yeah, like a vanity movie. Like, yeah, I do. Well, I mean, to be fair, he didn't even want to play William Wallace... You're right. Uh, that he actually it was the only way he was going to get funding to make the movie was if, uh, the if studio, he played it. If he yeah. played it, uh, well, forget he, who he had. He they named who he had Jason in mind. Patrick. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, whatever. He had to do what he had to do. But you know what I'm saying? Like, did you watch it? Did you? Did it feel like? Did you roll your eyes at Mel Gibson? No, I, I don't know. You were charmed. I was charmed. I don't know. There's a reason why, for better, for worse, more for worse. This is always shown as like you see people showing clips of it for like inspirational. Mm. Uh, pieces whether i mean i've become trite this movie was like uh leadership 101 you know i mean he he basically plays the perfect leader he's somebody who's charming he's charismatic he knows how to cast a vision he um knows how to even empower the people around him you know like robert the bruce he's always saying something like i see strength in you and he's saying i see strength in other people he sees it he sees it in the princess you know this is like no matter what your management style is, you'll find something <laughs> in William Wallace to, to say, here's how you do it. But this like, is what how about you lead the people. scene before the battle where he like just goes out on the horse and like rides around him and makes faces at him. No army has won with it. I'm not finished. Before we let you leave, your commander must cross that field, present himself before this army, put his head between his legs, and kiss his own ass. Like, I yeah. was just like, oh my gosh. Dude, stop it. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, he's, he's being fueled by quite a bit of testosterone. Uh, I'll give it that. And I mean, he's doing that sort of, and it's almost animalistic even in that scene because the horse is actually, like he's using the horse as a way of like sor- sort of thumping his chest. Yeah. But a lot of that goes away when it's not the battle scene. You know what I mean? And, and you see... I'm not going to say he's like the most multidimensional character because he's not. I mean, he's basically playing a legend, a myth, you know, so he's not going to show a lot of complex character traits. I'm not going to say that, but you're seeing more sides of him than just, um, you know, me, man, hit you with rock, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And then the scenes where he's like speaking French to her, it, it just felt so forced. I, I don't know. I guess it just, it's not my thing. It just, I don't get it. I don't get this movie. And like this, this, well, this well then maybe the why don't I turn it around and ask you why, what do you think other people see in it? I mean, obviously people do like it. Yeah. 
it would show emotional intelligence probably for me to be able to answer this question, to be able to step outside myself. Um, I, I just okay, I, okay, all right. I oh, I'm just gonna list something that I didn't hate about it. Beautiful scenery, so it deserved its nomination for best cinematography. Maybe it deserved the win. I don't know. Uh, I have a hard time with seeing a movie win uh, an Oscar in the year that I, I think something else, like this was the year Toy Story came out. Yeah. Um, and seven. Seven. Usual suspects. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I, will, I just want to say one more thing I really like about this movie okay. that maybe you can appreciate. It's got a beautiful score. Do you yeah. not like the score? No, the score. James Horner's the score. score. Was, the score was That was good. the first soundtrack that I had ever bought. Really? Was the Braveheart soundtrack. And it stands on its own. Like it is a, it's a beautiful score. And I will admit it carries that movie in places where it needs carrying. Uh, All right. Your question was, what do other people like about this movie? There were just all the romantic scenes. (sighs) And if you want to talk about the romantic scenes, I mean, there was a lot of um, reference in those romance scenes, especially in the the wedding scenes and the scenes right after and that nighttime scene. It's got a very Zeffirelli, Romeo and Juliet feel to it. And those gazes you're talking about are kind of in that. So that's... I mean, it works for me. It might not work for you, but it's certainly like it's got some um, precedent, precedent to it. Yeah. Or I mean, it's, it's been a, done before. To me, it wasn't referential. I'm always kind of a sucker for kind of that that old Hollywood feel once in a while. If it's within a movie, that kind of plays itself as that something that's huge in scope, very long. I think it's because it lets so much of those characters breathe in the beginning, and it takes its time before it gets into the revenge and the battle. That you yeah. actually do care about it by the time that happens. You take a movie like, say, Kingdom of Heaven, which I couldn't even tell you what that movie's about. It just sucked so bad. Or even Gibson's later movies like The Patriot, which is a terrible movie. Oh, my God. I think that, that beginning, those beginning scenes and that romance in the beginning, that makes all the difference in the world. For me, it wasn't backstory as much as it was just telegraphing. And like, okay, that's going to come back up later. Okay, that's going to come back up later. You're right. If if they had jumped into it, I probably would be like, "Well, there was no context for what he was doing." And just like, <laughs> but I I think you can do it in you a just better way. No, well. I think it was executed very self indulgently and handholdy, and just like, remember this: this guy's going to be important later, everybody, or like this line's going to be important or this concept. But then there was like this thing. It just felt like so arbitrary, like. When they finally did end the storyline where he's a kid, like it just felt like, hey, all right, we'll cut it there. Like Brian Cox is like talking and he says, like, you've got the look of your mother to you. And like, cut. Yeah. End of episode one. I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess and I think that there's even purpose to there's this uh theme that kind of runs through the movie of the reluctant leader, the some someone who is saying, I don't want to go. And that line that he says there, you know, you didn't want your father to die either, but it happened. And that seems to be a theme that runs through a lot of the movie is this person who, and, and it's, a myth, it's a mythological character. I mean, and even from the very beginning, it says, 
um, that this is kind of like the legend of William Wallace. Yeah. I mean, that this is, I mean, in a way, I think that's kind of how he tries to get away with some of the gross historical inaccuracies. But in a way, it's also just kind of saying, okay, this is going to be a character to aspire to. There's this sense that he's also a character who is on this journey and that, I mean, that journey aspect we see in all these epics and in so many movies, even Star Wars, we see this kind of journey aspect of storytelling right. in the movies. Um, but the, the hero's but the, journey. The hero's journey. Bring Joseph Campbell into it. But the idea that they bring in again and again is that he's often doesn't want to go. Destiny is pulling him towards a direction that he doesn't necessarily want to go. Yeah. Yeah. It just lost me. It took way too long to do everything. I will say that the whole love thing with the princess is kind of unnecessary. And the whole fact that she's supposedly carrying his child, which is certainly not historically accurate at all. And right. I don't really get the point of it. And it seems rushed. <laughs> well, it, it's, it, it's, it's especially problematic because it feels like, um, it's just more like twisting the knife on the gay prince. Like, this guy is an unfit ruler. He's an unfit husband. He's all these things mainly because he's gay. And look at what happens when a real man has sex with her. Like, I don't know. Like, it was just like, that was so dumb. It was a way I felt like where they were trying to squeeze in another romance into the second half of the movie. Yeah. Because the romance was done in the first half. And right. it was kind of like, well, we kind of want that to keep going. So we got to bring in someone else to do it. It's, I'm just saying it's, colored it colored the way i saw the movie that it was just one of those other things that i was like uh, and i'm sorry i don't mean to like completely take a dump on a movie you like i mean that's fine if you don't like it but i'm trying to figure out <sighs> i'm trying to why tell it you is why I... if i was put to put myself in your position mm -hmm. if you're automatically just don't connect with these characters and you think it's kind of cheesy from the very beginning it's going to be a very arduous movie to sit through i understand that but i don't understand i guess i don't understand why that feeling is so prevalent so early on in the movie like like that because you just... like i said it it you knew the movie was headed in one direction like there was no you could have told the story of like the kid and then like had the title cards at the end that were been like he fought two battles against the English and ultimately was executed. But I mean, just because a plot is necessarily predictable, I mean, look at all the superhero movies that come out. We know what's going to happen when you watch those movies, but it's not really what it's not about what happens. It's about the message that the movie's trying to give. The filmmakers trying to tell you every superhero movie has some kind of theme that it wrestles with with its characters, even though, you know, villain comes down superhero has to you know go through a process and eventually beat the villain yeah. you know like and the thing about those is that what's happening for good movies like that like i would say joss whedon's the avengers which maybe you didn't like had humor and had some like depth to it that like there was some emotional complexity whether or not they defeat loki in that in the avengers is not really the question the question is how are they going to get to that point and like it's funny along the way and how is like hulk's relationship with tony stark gonna change like there's complexity within that there was never a question there was nothing in braveheart that was at stake or a question for me not even see to me this time around i really found the robert the bruce character interesting in fact maybe the most interesting component in the movie that was the only complex character <laughs> yeah. that he showed some complexity and he also showed how a character 
can go through something and actually change. You're right. That's really something important for that movie to have is that Robert the Bruce character because it's dealing with an average person who is he, he's he's kind of a normal guy, but he has some power. And it's what happens to that person when they're confronted by pure, sheer idealism and what that yeah. does to you and how it can either refine you or it can make you cynical. And it does both to it does that to some of the nobles and it does it, it makes them more cynical and it makes Robert the Bruce a little bit more idealistic. And in, in, in that sense, if you look at the movie through Robert the Bruce's eyes, William Wallace is more just kind of this shining Christ figure. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. I mean, that's really what this I mean, he really is the Christ figure in this movie. He dies on a cross. But Robert the Bruce is kind of like the Peter character, which is very interesting to watch. You know, in fact, he's just like Peter when he goes to get captured. He's you're the right. guy who's like Peter trying to cut the ear off of the yeah, soldiers. Right. I don't know. I, I you're right. I kind of wonder when you're watching these movies if you don't give don't it quite give it enough, enough credit. credit because by that by the time um, some of that stuff rolls around, you've already written it off. You're probably right um, because Robert the Bruce is now totally historic again, totally oh, gosh, historically no. inaccurate. Right. In the movie, Robert the Bruce is the most interesting character, probably. You're right. I was actually when the scene where his father says, um, you know, you're going to be a good leader because now you know how to hate. He yeah. says, my hate dies with you. Like that, you're right. That's a good lesson to learn. Like that's that guy wasn't going to be controlled by it. He recognized his mistake. He admitted it, was going to learn from it. You had some hope for that character. I mean, I think that if nothing else, the movie could be an interesting way to look at, like, if you're really zealous about something, mm -hmm. the way that rubs up against different people. Yeah. You know, right. that for some people, they rally around that. And that's the thing that's easy to grasp onto. And for other people who are more maybe pragmatic in their thinking, yeah. it just annoys them. Yeah. The idealism annoys them. And Robert the Bruce is an interesting character who kind of, in a sense, he's a politician and yet he's a total flip-flopper. In the movie, you're kind of with him in his flip-flopping because, you know, he's just like any other politician at the beginning. And he eventually comes around to totally changing yeah, and being a little bit more zealous towards the things that matter. And at least it's a little it's a little bit realistic in that it didn't go as far as the historical accuracy to just say William Wallace did bring independence to Scotland. I mean, at least it does. It makes him a martyr, which is even more of a Christ-like figure. Right. But at least it does have Robert the Bruce be the person that actually, even though he's not really as courageous or as idealist or as zealous as a character uh, of a character as William Wallace, he's actually the one who ends up being the instrument that is necessary right. to get the stuff done, you know? I, I feel I feel bad because I just am not I, I don't think I'm gonna like this sort of movie and we should probably stop trying <laughs> stop trying movies like this. Is there even any any other ones to try? I don't know. Did you like Lawrence of Arabia? I, I did. Okay. So why that one? Uh I did like Lawrence of Arabia. I didn't like love it, but it's it's better than Braveheart. It it is. I mean it is. It's, it's a better just, movie. Um but I feel I feel bad because you're right. I do I did I mean I watched it, I gave it a fair shake, and I went in thinking I would like it somewhat. But you're probably right that after the first forty five minutes I didn't keep giving it a fair shake. But I'm not gonna watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say here's I'll I'll end it with a backhanded compliment. 
Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> this movie is a slightly better Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Uh, I'm sorry for just like not liking this movie. Um and not really being able to articulate anything beyond it doesn't work for me. I well, will say, I will say you did a you you believe in this movie. You don't just like uh, I loved when I was a kid. And it still, <laughs> still just gets me going. Like you think about it, and that's great. Um, and I can see what you're saying in some cases, but sure. it just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, it's just kind of one of those weird things where I, I don't know if there's any amount of debate or discussion we could do to. Yeah, probably not. I mean, it's just kind of the way it's going to have to lie, and um, I'll stop trying to push my uh, yeah. historical dramas yeah. on you. Yeah, you better. And bringing my personal drama into it. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, you're going to push another movie on me uh, for yeah. our next one. Let me tell you, I, I, I am not looking forward to this. I think this is going to be dirty. This I think is this the one, gonna... <laughs> and we'll probably talk more about this next time. This is the movie that started this off. Yeah. Me and Nate realizing, wow, we do not see eye to eye all the yeah. time. I think that you just like this movie too much for me. We can talk about this later. Yes. Well, we're going to. We're going to have a whole episode dedicated to We are. To it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this month uh, of October in 2014, um, the movie Birdman is being released, and it is directed by... Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu. Yes. Who, um, yeah, and it's getting actually... It's, this is a movie about um, a washed-up actor who once had played a superhero, uh-huh. and it's played by Michael Keaton. Fittingly. He's not exactly washed up, but no, yeah, Michael Keaton's great. But yeah, this movie though is getting rave reviews. I'm excited know, to see I, it. Yeah, and it is kind of a a, a turn for Enrico because Enrico, because uh, it's supposed to be a comedy. And mm-hmm. if you've seen any of his other movies, uh, yeah. this is the guy who's done Amaro's Peros, Twenty One Grams, um, and our next our movie, next film, <laughs> Babel. Babel. Yeah, and um, there's not really an ounce of comedy in nope. any of those movies. Nope. So, but. Um, Babel is what really started it off with me and Ryan, and um, this is a movie that I, I haven't seen in a v- really since it's come out. I, I haven't, haven't seen, seen it since I saw it in theaters. So I'm I, in that sense, I'm interested to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really liked it. It's another long it. one. Yeah, I know, man. We're going to find time for all this. I don't know. Anyways, um, but you really didn't like it, and nope. this is this is I think and we you actually, really did. I did. Like this might be the movie that we are farthest apart on. I think so, and actually, I think we started arguing about it before we were even really friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so, amazing our, we survived. Somehow it worked out. So, anyways, um, if you get a chance, if you haven't seen Babel. Um, try to catch it before our next episode. We'll put up a post on our website, canwestillbefriends.net, where we can have you weigh in on how you feel about uh, Babel and give us your comments. Um, always hit us up on Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook, all the good stuff. Give us a phone call. The phone number is on our website. You can email us at feedback yes. at canwestillbefriends.net. Um, we love hearing from you guys. Uh, I guess I'm going to tell you to see this movie just so you can be caught up with us, but... At this point, I don't recommend it. Well, hey, fill in the gaps of your uh, film watching a yeah, little bit. That's and, uh, true. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah. So anyways, thank you for listening to mm-hmm. our uh, Braveheart episode. Um, really, really sorry you couldn't come along. But also weigh in on the Braveheart episode because yeah. I would love to have a little backup for what I said. And I'm sure Ryan would love to have a little bit of uh, support for what he said as well. Yeah, no. I mean, if you guys can give me some good points like Nate did to make me think about it. 
By all means. Maybe, maybe, but you maybe probably recommend, won't get me to watch it again. Maybe recommend another historical epic for Ryan to try that you're you're just certain he's gonna like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.